this world of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies, or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they have a home here, and so do you in Luther's world. Welcome to chapter three. Once again, sit back and enjoy this grab bag full of goodness. I never thought it would happen to me. Real stories told by the eyewitnesses themselves. Today we're joined by the GOAT himself, Chris Jericho, and he's going to tell us all about missing time. Hi, I'm Chris Jericho. Uh, I'm happy to be here on the Luther's World. I have a few strange stories, but the one I'm going to talk about is actually when I was at Luther's uh, house that he used to live in, in Alderside, uh, Alberta. You can Google that in the old blue farmhouse where many classic albums were recorded. So we used to hang out and uh, just listen to music or watch movies or whatever. And I lived in a place called Okotoks, which is about probably 45 minutes to an hour drive uh, through farm country roads. Like Calgary is here, uh, here, and Alderside is there, and Okotoks is there. So it's just farm roads to go back and forth. <clears throat> so we were hanging out, and um, I think I left uh, Luther's house at about 2 in the morning to drive the hour back to uh, Okotoks. Um, we weren't drug guys, so we didn't have, we weren't taking drugs, no, no weed or anything like that. And because I had to drive, didn't drink either, because you can't obviously drive, don't drive drugs, said Stevie Wonder. Um, which is weird, because Steve doesn't drive. You should talk to him about some weird occurrences. But, uh, so I'm driving this car, it was a 76, no it wasn't 74, it was um, uh, an old Dodge Ram 1985 or something like this. And I drove home, and it was dark, and I remember I was listening to an album by this band called Sabotage, and it was called Streets. And it's a, it's a, um, uh, like a rock opera, and it's about 70 minutes long, it's a very long record. So I put it on, and I was driving, and I pull into my house in Okotoks, and the sun is coming out. Which is very strange because I left Lenny's at 2 and I would usually be home at 3 and I get home at 5.30 when the sun is coming up. And Streets, um, it was a cassette so it would play like when it ends, goes back to the beginning, goes back to the beginning. And it was the, the, like the second song on the record. So it tells me that it just kept playing. Once again, like I said, 70 minutes. So it's at least 80 minutes now, but it was like three and a half hours after I left. And I couldn't figure out what happened. I couldn't remember what went down. I couldn't remember why it took me three and a half hours to get back home. Um, and this is way pre-internet, it's probably 1990, well, Streets came out in 93, 92, so it was 93, 1993, and so I went to the library in, in Okotoks, or maybe Calgary, was there a library in Okotoks? I can't remember if there was, and started looking up, like, it was such a different time then, you couldn't just Google, like, weird links of time, whatever, and I, and I was always into UFOs and paranormal stuff, so I started looking through UFO things, and I found this thing called time displacement. And time displacement is what happens when people get abducted by aliens, have alien contact of some kind of an encounter where giant chunks of time 
just disappear. And that's exactly the description of what I'm saying. Like I said, this is dark, late at night, Prairie Road, no one's around. I'm not going to say like, oh, I remember, like I don't remember anything. I just don't know how the fuck it took me three and a half hours to get from Alderside to Okotoks. And I'm convinced, and I've talked to a lot of UFO experts on my show, Talk is Jericho, that say time dis displace displacement is a very common uh, um, uh, requirement or a very common occurrence when people have like low-level UFO encounters. This is not like I was abducted and anally probed or whatever. This is what happens if you have some sort of uh, encounter where they're, they're watching you, they're flying, they're checking you out. Uh, maybe there's, I don't know, I can't even explain what happened. All I know is that- You were probed. I was not anally probed and I did interrupt you during your dumb story, so don't interrupt me during mine. Uh, watch the Don Callis episode, The Ant Woman of Calgary. Um, but point being, something weird happened, but there's really no explanation for it except for this word time displacement. If you guys Google it yourself, that you can do that. Something weird happened to me that night. So um, take me to your leader. Um, so anyways, uh, so there you go. Time displacement. The night I was possibly abducted or probed by uh, an alien. I know that drive. I've made that drive. It should have only taken 30, 45 minutes max. So what happened? What went down? Where'd the missing time go? Aliens? A vortex? Next we go out to Utah and we hear about a very aggressive ghost, a spirit in the cemetery told to us by Manny Lemons. Hey guys, Manny Lemons here, the man, the brand, the king of the lemonade stand. I'm here to talk about another ghost story here. Uh, this one was actually out of the Murray Cemetery in Murray, Utah. Um, it's a suburb of Salt Lake City. Uh, me, again, me and my family and friends, we did a lot of cemetery running, a lot of haunted places. Uh, this one particular time, we just, you know, Murray Cemetery is an older mom and pop cemetery. Uh, we just went there one, we've been there a couple times. This is probably the third time there. Uh, we pulled up, uh, you know, nothing was happening. So we started, you know, ended up actually going towards the cars and started leaving. But as we were leaving, all the sprinklers like that were near the cars turned on and they all they're the ones that go they all kind of just shut up and they all just all the sprinklers turned shooting the cars like so it was like it was weird because there was not any of the other sprinklers in the area weren't on other than the ones that were right next to the cars and as that was happening you could see this uh i want to say figure but it was like someone was walking through the water but there was no being or no figure nothing there so it was just kind of going and the, you know when you whenever the sprinkler's going and it's like your foot or something's pressed against it was like a shh then it was like kind of like that so it was one of the <laughs> one of the times that kind of scared me and then uh, as we were leaving the cemetery as we you know got in the cars finally got past the water uh, one of my buddies ended up saying oh my back's hurt my back's hurt and he started pulling up his uh pulling up his jacket or whatever and there was actually like i want to say two or three claws across his back hand to god <laughs> two or three claws is one of the scariest things in my life and then uh, as you were driving too, you would see in the, uh, like, you know, when your car hasn't been washed in a while, either sometimes there's like handprints going through, uh, you could see a handprint going across the top of the windshield where the, uh, where the tint for the uh, uh, visor would be. And you just see like a small handprint all the way across the car, like someone would be dragged through. And that could have been what it was like going through the sprinklers and whatnot. So, but uh, that's just another one of my uh, crazy unpredicted stories. There is no explanation for the water being blocked as he was running through the sprinkler. The scratches, 
the hand marks on the car. Oh, what a great experience. Now it's time for viewer encounters. It's time for the paper trail. We're back with the paper trail. A little mail from the viewers. Good evening. I've never written to anyone about my few encounters that I've had in my life. Often I listen to stories about this subject as if it is truly near and dear to me. I've had a number of what I would loosely compare to as paranormal. One of the first ones I recall was when I was about eight years old. It was a typical Thursday night in the autumn in the south, so it was calming, humid, 80 degrees. My brother and I had accompanied our mom to an evening at church as she was a Sunday school teacher. Her presence was needed throughout the week at the church. As the sermon ended, we gathered our things and headed to our car. My brother and I waited patiently while our mom said her farewells to everybody. The parking lot emptied and my mom hurried to the driver's seat only to hear nothing but silence. Our mom turned around to inspect as to why we were being so quiet, only for both of us to feverishly point across the street. We sat staring at what I could only describe as an angel. Bright lights poured from the figure that seemed to be wearing the whitest garb and halo positioned just above their head. No wings were seen and no facial features. It was it was a blinding light that seemed to be floating near a home. We sat there in shock for what seemed like forever. When my brother instinctively rushed our mom to start the car and leave immediately. I just remember we constantly looked across the street both consciously and subconsciously for years to follow. After that night to see if we could rationalize what we had all saw that night. To no avail, it was a one-off. No lights had been installed to give the appearance of anything. We just sat there and saw an angel that night. What I find to be hilarious is that we were not confronted by the fact of what we saw. We made moves and got the hell out of Dodge. That would be really cool to see. Thanks for sending that in. How's it going, everybody? AW Superstar. Marco Stunt here, and we're digging into a little bit of Luther's mail. So this says, when I was a teen, I used to go out walking after midnight through fields and roads with my friends. One night, we explored a graveyard not too far from my friend's house. Then we were, then when we were headed back, we were walking alongside of a cow pasture with a fence and a tree line blocking most of our view beyond a certain point. But in the sky, there was there's something the size of a small airplane, and it was on fire and at a downward trajectory. It didn't look like anything human in nature as far as design, but it was definitely a blaze and it went down behind the tree line blocking the horizon, although we never heard a crash or any impact. There were three of us, I'm sorry, there were three of us there who saw it and we were all, st all, all stone cold sober. To this day we have no idea what we saw. Daniel R. from Alabama. Hello, my name is Nick Camarado, and I'm here to read some fan mail for Luther's World. Good evening. I would like to share a story with you, if I may. 
About four years ago, my wife's father was suffering with leukemia, but had contracted sepsis. He was only given days to live. He insisted on being brought home to pass away. One night, my wife went to his house as she had a feeling it was going to be that night. I was left at home with our nine-month-old daughter. I put her to sleep and went about my evening. We have a baby monitor that has a video screen along with a series of lights on the bottom. From green up to red, red being the loudest, and only activates with lighter sound. After 30 minutes or so, the monitor flashed on and the sound level flashed up to the red in three movements in quick succession, which suggested that there was loud movement. I went into our daughter's room to see. There was nothing but silence. I passed it off as outside noise. However, I looked outside the window and there was nothing there. I went back through to the front room. After 10 minutes, my wife called to say her father, he passed away. I immediately asked, was it 10 minutes ago? She replied, yes. It was then I realized that it was, it was her father visiting to say goodbye to my daughter, Bobby. She is four now and still says to this day that Pops still visit her. And she even quotes some of his old sayings. Thank you for reading. Student attack. If you have a story and you want it to be on the show, just write it out and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com or you can videotape yourself telling your own story and I'll put it on a future episode. What's up, this is Griff Garrison from AEW and you're watching Luther's Worlds of Cryptids, Ghosts, and Unexplained. This week on The Storytellers, it's back to Roswell, New Mexico as we hear from the Roswell UFO Spacewalk owner, Brian Ward. Hey everyone, Brian Ward here, your fearless leader at the Roswell UFO Spacewalk, where we are at the center of space and time. I just have a quick update for you about the Roswell, what's been happening here in the last few days. Uh, you know, a lot of people come here looking for answers. We get the curious, we get uh, all sorts of um, seekers that want to get answers to the whole UFO alien phenomenon. And uh, I guess the number one question I get from them is, uh, can we see the crash site and can we see the crash saucer? And um, as far as I know, the, the crash saucer is in Area 51. That's the whole reverse engineering thing. We have uh, over here at the UFO Museum, it's right around the corner, we have uh, some replica pieces of the saucer, the I-beam with the hieroglyphics, and we have uh, you know, some of the, they call it the memory metal, some of that twisted metal, that's all on display at the museum. But as far as the actual crash saucer, uh, it's, that's I believe that's at Area 51 and as far as uh, going out to the crash site it's about 45 minutes here north of town it's in between uh, Roswell and Corona 
there used to be bus tours that went out there all the time. There was a famous uh, sign by the side of the freeway for a long time, about 15 years or more it was there. And it had, uh, uh, it said the Roswell UFO crash site with an arrow pointing down a dirt road. And that sign's not there anymore. About three years ago or so, another family or company bought that property. And uh, from what I understand, they don't want people going out there. Uh, I guess people were going out there on their own, you know, not part of the tour and uh, it's private property. Uh, and another story that I heard was that uh, some of the people that were going out there were um, taking soil samples and still coming back with uh, uh, weird metal alloys that weren't like natural here on earth. Um, anyway, that's the story that, I, that I've been hearing about what's been going on at the crash site. So as far as I know now, there's no tours out to the crash site. And if uh, you want to see the real saucer, uh, you better have some good connections at Area 51 because I think that's where it's at. But anyway, that's about all we have for you today. I got some other fascinating stories to catch up with you guys. And uh, but that's a tale for another day, and now we're going to send it back to Dr. Luther. Today, on the cryptids of the world, we take a look at the Agagwe. The Agagwe have been reported in the jungles of East Africa. It's said to stand about two to five feet tall. Its arms are very long that hang down near its side and its whole body is covered in, covered in fur, kind of a rusty colored fur. The Gagwe also have reported to have rounded foreheads and small, very, very sharp teeth. The first Westerner um, that ever sighted in Gagwe was in 1900. It was Captain William Hitchin and he and a guide were out hunting big game when they saw two of these creatures walk out from the bushes, uh, cut across about 100 feet from them, and then walk back into the bushes. And it said that he wasn't sure what they were, but the guy knew right away. And he was awestruck and trembling and told him uh, what they were and that they had to leave right away. Another sighting happened in 1927 by a British soldier as he saw two of them once again walk out from the bushes to a sand beach to collect some sort of uh, shelled sea creature and then they walked back and they were standing completely upright. In 1950, a professional animal collector was out um, collecting animals in Zaire when he saw something was in one of his birds bird traps and it was an agagwe it supposedly had the snare around its head as he as the collector was trying to get up to the um, creature it simply took the noose off its head by itself and then stood upright and walked away back into the forest before the collector could get there they say the Agagwe may be a surviving species of Australopithecine. It's a primate that lived about 2.5 million years ago. Believe it or not believe it, it's a cryptid of the world. The Mason House Inn in Benton Sport, Iowa. So it's going to run you about $129 a night to stay here. Check online, see what you can get. The inn, the Mason House Inn dates back to 1846 and according to its owners right now has at least 
five spirits attached to the hotel. It's had three owners die within the hotel, and it's had one guest murdered. It used to be a hospital during the Civil War, as many of the old houses in the South, it seems like that has happened. Um, and then again, it was a hospital from 1920 to 1940. And during this time, uh, many of the patients died of diphtheria as well as the resident doctor. They say that in this hotel, the Mason house in every room has a spirit attached to it. In room number five, there's a spirit of a little boy. And this little boy is very mischievous. He likes to tug on guest clothing. In room number seven, there's the spirit of a man named Knapp. The interesting story about Mr. Knapp and room number seven is that's the room he was murdered in. Room number eight. Well, this room is a little bit maybe creepy for some people, but many of people have reported seeing a giant floating head. Um, no one knows whose head that is, but there's a giant floating head in room number eight. On the third floor, in all the bedrooms on the third floor, many people have reported an old lady. She'll just wander around different every room up there. So one of the craziest or coolest, depending on how you look at it, stories about the Mason house in is the room that the doctor passed away in. So the owners wanted to redecorate. So they buy wallpaper and they put up some new wallpaper and they glue it on and then they leave for the night. They get back to the hotel the next morning. All the wallpaper is laying on the ground. So they think they just didn't hang it properly. Maybe not enough glue, uh, they didn't attach it. Um, so they redo it. They put the wallpaper back up, redo everything, and they leave for the night. They get back the next following day, all the wallpaper once again is just all laying on the ground. But this time, there's a book, a pattern book that they went through to get the wallpaper they wanted. And it's, this time it's laying in the middle of the floor and it's opened to a different kind of wallpaper, a certain kind. So the owners took that as a hint and they went to the store and they bought that same kind of wallpaper it was open, the book was open up to, hung that up where it stayed untouched. So if you're staying in Benton Sport, Iowa, I would suggest staying at the Mason House Inn because any room will do. I would like to say thanks to all my guests, Chris Jericho and Manny Lemons, my readers, Marco Stunt and Nick Camarado. I'd like to say thank you to Griff Garrison for stopping by, and of course my storyteller, Brian Ward. And most of all, to you. Let the chaos run strong and stay.